Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Super Sauce Podcast with your hosts, Sergio and Andrew. I'm Andrew. This is episode number five, talking about monopolized munchies, right? That's correct. All right, so what is this podcast about? Andrew thinks it's about elevating your mind and soul. I think we're just bullshitting. Either way, it should be an interesting conversation between two friends. So let's get down right to it. What does monopolized munchies mean? Um, in short, McDonald's. Um, basically, it's just like um, how fast foods become a monopoly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a few big ones, you know, Wendy's, Burger right. King, so, McDonald's, so Taco Bell. This, this is kind of based off a conversation I think we might have had about a week ago now. Yeah, so my, my thing was um, when McDonald's started, it was just like your local burger joint. It was just the one of them. And it was just a good burger for a decent price. And, like, you know, kind I, of like what you would think your local spot would be. I remember you telling me, like, that for it to get to the level that it is now, which is insane, like, they had to have good burgers in the first place. Yeah, I mean, to start attraction, you know, think about McDonald's today. Think about, like, the McDouble, especially. You know, a Big Mac and all that's good. But is it really, like that good like if it was a local spot would you really be going there with your friends on saturdays and fridays have you, have you ever been to a grease joint i have not i want to though they're really good because like that's actually what it basically did with mike about two weeks ago um have you ever been like to Plainfield in towns like that it'll just there. i haven't been to one of their spots though it'll be like i'm thinking about like it'll be a hole in the wall tiny maybe five six seven stools for you to sit in and I'll be like, you know, three fifty for like a cheeseburger, and you're not talking quality, you know, like the places barely pass inspections all the time. You can just tell by the look at it. It's think about like your diner selection. Chop those prices maybe to one third of what they are, so you're looking at most things for like two, maybe four bucks, really stretching it, and then it's just really, really greasy. But the appeal of it is like. You're not there to like feel good about yourself. You're there to feel good. I've been to I've been to White Mana now that I think of it. It's been like on TV type thing. Well, which one? White Mana. White Mana. They make sliders and they're so good. Their pickles. I'm not kidding. I've never had a pickle like that before. Yeah. They, they sell their pickle jars. They sell their pickle jars. But, well, with pickles in them. You know. Oh god. But they're good, man. But, um, so, like, McDonald's, anyway, so McDonald's, um, they had to start at, like, just, you know, pretty decent burger. Yeah. Hole in the wall or not, I don't know what it really looked like, but, um. I know there's a movie on it, and we probably should have watched it in preparation. But we didn't, so we, we're, we have We're rewriting history, folks. So, anyway, um, to get to the point where they are now, obviously, they had to cut corners. To have a burger with fries and a drink for eight, nine bucks. And we all know that it's pretty much scientifically formulated to be addictive. Yeah, they got like a special type of salt in it that makes you crave it. Yeah, and um, it's also the instant gratification of like, you get this like... Okay, wait, wait, so hold on. So let's like break it down into like breathable segments, right? It's like, so one of them is like price, which makes me consider again, why do you even need fast food for the longest time food was just legit like a survival thing um and it wasn't about like fast but i think like the demands of like american culture 
created that you need food fast because we're overworked and you need to be moving from place to place to place. Also, let me tie that in the fact that like a drive through and fast food are synonymous. Just the fact that we're driving everywhere. And shit. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times you'll notice that because everyone goes through the drive through, it's quicker to go inside. Yeah. But it's just like the thought that people are like, I can get this in like two minutes. But I used to have the idea for the longest time of how insulting the term, like the the fucking idea of a drive through is. Like I, th- I always think about it this way. I, I like to bring a lot of stuff back to hunter gatherer stuff. Like how would it work back then? So like, okay, when you're thinking about food, before it was like, all right, we got to kill this deer. It'll last us like a fucking week or something, right? We got to mm-hmm. like use every part or whatever you're killing. Maybe you got some fowls and chickens running around. And even then you got to be careful because it's mostly for eggs and blah, blah, blah. But when you had food, it meant something got killed and you processed it yourself. Like it wasn't just food. It was a living being. All right. And then it became where, like, you can get it off some fucking market and someone already killed it and they're selling it off to you. Now I think there's such a disconnect that you go to a supermarket and you don't think of it as a once living being. You just think of it, it's a food. It's an item, mm-hmm. right? And then you separate even further. At least in the supermarket, you have to walk around. Like, you at least have to physically grab it and put it and compare it to the other, you know, slaughterhouses, blah, blah, blah. Like, how much is this one compared to that one? A drive through is, I think, really the decline of us as a civilization. And I don't say that just because I work in a drive through I'm saying it, think about how absurd the concept is. You are too lazy to step outside of your vehicle that would you would rather drive up to a window and exchange money for already like processed food yeah but i think that think of how far we've gotten from like growing shit or cooking shit you are literally you are not even getting up for your food yeah but i think that was kind of like inevitable to be honest okay but i think it's more that so in like other countries like i think france for example they spend i believe it's two and a half hours a day on average eating and the U.S. spends, I think, like an hour, and the U.K. spends like an hour fifteen. Okay. So, and that's like collectively from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. That's how Spend much. Spend about two hours eating. Yeah. Okay. Which sounds like a lot. Right. But that's because they're sitting there, they're you know eating, talking. They take their sweet ass time. So it also plays into obesity, mm-hmm. um, because when you're eating so quickly, or when you feel like. I've only got 20 minutes to eat my lunch. Mm-hmm. You're shoveling down as much as you can mm-hmm. in 20 minutes. When you're like kind of just hanging out and eating at your own pace, you don't eat as much because you don't feel rushed. But fast foods stemmed from a corporate industry of, you know, we need you to work this many hours today and this is how much time you have to eat. So it gets quicker and quicker, and it's also just lifestyle in general here. Because I'm, I'm thinking of, like, basically the repercussions of everything turning into a factory. Because, you know, like, when they got the freaking Model T and, like, you know, Ford is famous for this, is that instead of, like, having, you know, this one team makes, like, one car a day, it's like, if this person just polishes at the end and this person puts rims and this person says, we can have 20 cards every day, just, and it's also cheaper, 
uh, labor because now you don't need specialized work. You just need to train someone for about a week's time and then they can figure it out and they're disposable, you pay them less, yada, yada, yada. But I'm thinking of the repercussions of that because McDonald's and fast food into the whole, the, you know, monopolized munchies thing, like they, they took that idea and they applied it to food. And it's like that, like the whole assembly line idea, assembly line is old as fuck. And we're coming further and further away from that. And now we're at a point where that whole idea is becoming even more relevant as things get globalized and as work gets less like eventually the whole like assembly lines, they're going to have robots doing it. And that whole assembly line model isn't going to apply to humans anymore. But I think it's hilarious that, like you said, it's a whole lifestyle thing where as soon as that seemed to get put into food, it, you know, I, I, it's not the single cause of, I would say, the modern American lifestyle, but it definitely contributed to it that. It's a result of the American exact, lifestyle. Yeah. And it's going to, you know, it's going to spread to other countries, hopefully. It already spread, bro. Yeah, but it's going to keep going. Like, France, I don't think eventually will always be like that, you know. Mm. That's why, you know, countries that are very progressive as far as, like, technology, their work weeks are crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, no hate on France, but, like, what have they really come up with that's amazing? Not as much as, like, Japan in the U.S., and that's because we spend so much more time working. Right. I'm not saying that's a positive or a negative. I think I mean, it's mostly a negative. I think honest. there's both. I mean, we definitely have better technology, and but um, we're not as happy, I think, because we spend so much time working, rushing. I mean, you know. Well, all the countries that are quote-unquote, or what is Trump called, the the... The shit pile, what was he calling the shit? I don't know. But, uh... So, 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 the fucking, like, toilet country, whatever, whatever he calls them. They're the happy ones. They have the higher happiness in them. But think about it like this. When you're... Most people, you know, that work nine to five jobs, you wake up Monday morning, and every day from Monday to Friday, your day goes, wake up, probably rush out of bed, jump in the shower, and bail, go to work, you know, work as much as you can... Go home, sit through traffic, eat something real quick, and kind of like knock out. Maybe watch a little TV, maybe play with your kids if you have them, whatever. But, so, but even then, like that whole 40-hour work week, that's leftover from factories. Like that whole concept, mm-hmm. that was like a workers' union thing. Is they said like, we can only do 40 hours, and then that allowed for leisure and everything like you're saying. So what I'm starting to notice at my own job, it's really interesting. So we have the eight to five people, right? Then we have the nine to six, and then we have, I think it's like the 11 to eights because it's getting to a point that that 40 hour work week is not cutting it anymore yeah. because you have business coming in. Like the West coast is placing all their stuff at seven, eight. Guess what? We're not there for it. Or I don't know, freaking Singapore needs something like how are we getting to it? Or even like, this was kind of like ridiculous. I needed to order something online. I didn't want to forget it um, when I went off to work. So as I was getting myself ready for the day, I'm like, let me just order it online really quick. And the whole concept of that is insane. Is like I'm buying stuff online at 7 a.m. Someone is gonna wake up, get that notification, and process it around 12. And I can I and it's funny. I got it at my house Saturday. Like, that'll happen within two days. Like, yeah. The idea is crazy. The other day, I ordered something. Um, 
on a Wednesday night. When I got home from work on Thursday, it was at my door. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of nice to like be able to get what you need, but I don't think it's worth the sacrifice, honestly, of this like lifestyle. I'd rather have smaller businesses, less innovation. Like, do we really need smartphones? No. We got along without them most of human civilization. Do we need all this other stuff? No. What, what is really well, progress- what are the bare necessities? I mean, I think for progression, because if you want to go bare necessities, food, shelter, water. Obviously, you want to get past that. Right. Cars, transportation, that's good. Food that can be, you know, an abundance can be produced for a large population, that's good. Right. Certain preservatives so that your food doesn't go bad, that's good, as long as they don't mess with your health. The, the, the consequence is that a lot of things have a high sodium content or right. stuff, yeah. But in reality, with the population and lifestyle, we can't. No one's going to go out and hunt a deer. No, no. And eat it and freeze it. If you can, great. But See, it's I'm not, not practical. My thing is I'm not telling everyone to start go hunting. What I'm saying is you should be aware of how right. like, absurd and how blessed your reality is. Like I might have said this before, but I'll say it again. When I was an ESL teacher, it was kind of like a crappy town I was teaching at because it's like, a, you know, it's an immigrant town, mm-hmm. right? And... These people start complaining about all these things. They're like, they're like, oh, how come I don't hear you complaining? It's funny if you know me well. I complain about stuff, but there I wouldn't, and I would just tell them like, like, dude, I get to drive home in my car, which is, um, you know, temperature controlled, and listen to a vast like the world's like basically online library of music, mm-hmm. and once I get home, I get to go to bed in my air conditioned room. My life is pretty sweet. Now, notice I didn't say how, like, big my room is or, you know, that my car is older. But objectively speaking, looking at the rest of the world, if you're listening to this, you have it pretty fucking good. If you have access to internet, you have it pretty fucking good. Which is actually a point I was going to make is do you think um, internet should be a connection, a stable connection to the internet more more precisely? should be considered a human right at this point. Um, I've thought about this. I don't know. I, I think we're getting to the point of yes. I think it's a yes I, now. So I definitely think that everyone should have communication, like phones and stuff. Yeah. Because um, that's just where we are in the world. Internet, I think, would be a huge benefit, and that's why I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know depends on what kind of internet. I don't think you should... I don't think having Facebook and Instagram should be considered a human right. I think access to information should well, be... Well, that, that's the argument. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, that's how they'll learn. Especially in other countries, they connect with other people somehow or another. You got stories of kids in Africa making, like, power generators off of bicycle parts and how they yeah. learn it, like, YouTube. These Some of these people, like, People, not everyone thinks about it, but a lot of these people in those poor areas that you've never heard of, you'll never meet, are completely brilliant. Oh, yeah. And they could change the world if you they just had a chance. But obviously, if they're primarily concerned of what am I going to eat tonight or what is my family going to eat tonight and sleep, um, you know, physics is going to have to put up, be put on hold when survival comes in play. Because first you have to survive, then you can innovate. That so was, I think uh, you should give people the opportunity to innovate, for yeah. sure. But I think it should also be 
kept under consideration that if we're going to make it a human right, which we probably should, to spread it to everyone, we might not be able to give everyone, like, luxury internet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think it should definitely be available to everyone. Well, the reason I say it is because, like, when I say, like, a stable connection to the internet, like, I'm not thinking, like, yeah, bro, we're going to hook you up with, you know, I iPhone 11 Pro. Like, I'm mm-hmm. thinking you need access to be able to do an email and to order stuff online because guess what? Like, I've watched this whole video on it. You know, I might even put a link on it. They were talking about how channel YouTube Two Cents talking about how, like, you are discriminated um, based on, like, you're, you're discriminated, like, based on income, like, regarding the things you have access to. So here's one. Um, a lot of Chase Banks, for example, they're going cashless now, which to me is absolutely retarded. But they have reasons for it, reasons I don't understand, but they have branches that have no cash for it. Argument is, like, yeah, well, what if I have a check or what if I only, like, what if I don't have the freshest smartphone with a stable? It's like, oh, so I can't do that now. And you also tend to get charged more ATM fees. And, like, they do this whole, like, really amazing breakdown about how essentially a lot of things that are taken for granted in higher socioeconomic circles are not available to everyone and how it's actually more expensive to be struggling. Yeah. That uh, brings up a not related, but what would happen to the economy without cash if that went global or even nationwide? Because the value of the dollar is based on how many actual dollar bills exist. Right, right, right. So if, you know, you could say like, you know, it'll be in the treasury or in the reserve and, you know, that's what it is. When you write a check, it's a representation of I have this much I'm giving to you. You're not. Right, right. But if there is no cash, we have to go on the word of the, yeah, you know, of the government saying, yeah, we have, you know, this much. Yeah. Well, how do I know that you actually do? Right. And I think that's a great point. And we're going to stop about right here and just give a brief word for our sponsor. So before we took a break, you were talking about, well, first I want to do a quick summary. So we first started off talking about monopolized munchies and kind of how like the consequence impact and origin of like the fast food industry, right? And kind of looking at it as a whole. And now you were talking about that we kind of go off like the government's trust for like how much money is worth. And I want you to elaborate on that a little bit. So, more. I mean, right now, the dollar bill is valued based on, you know, there's this many. Yeah. Um, and also that we have this much gold in the treasury. There was a theory one time like, well, if we found out that there is no actual gold in the treasury mm-hmm. and that they were just saying that our economy would collapse mm-hmm. instantly and completely. So, I mean, I'm sure there is gold in the treasury. I don't really doubt that. Why would we open it at this point? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if we did that, everything would become cryptocurrency. Okay. Which I think is an interesting concept, but I don't think that's like a necessity. And that's, I, don't know, I feel like this is kind of the point is like, what are we really working for? Like, Is it really a priority to use a phone to pay instead of using a bill? Right. Like, I think we should prioritize. Obviously, Chase Bank is going to do this because they're in the business of money. So thinking about money is all they do. But overall, like, why aren't we focused on lifestyle as much as we are technology and innovation? Wait, so you're saying 
So let me try to understand that. You're saying that like people are more concerned with a lifestyle as opposed to innovation. No, I'm saying that people are yes and no. I think as a whole, we talk about innovation, progressiveness, okay. and technology more than we talk about like your lifestyle, like your everyday life. What do you do? Okay. And um, I mean, think about it. The people, the big shots in New York, what is their goal? Right. It's to work as much as possible so that they can get a big, better job that has more responsibility. I would argue that a lot of those dudes are kind of riding off of other stuff, though. I know that some of them are definitely about the hustle. Right, but, but it also, well, I wasn't finished, but it's because they make more money. Part of it is status. Yeah. Part of it is, you know, just making tons of money, which is fine. But do you really need a gigantic house or a mm -hmm. penthouse in New York? No. Do we want those things? Sure. That's just human nature, 100%. But... Why aren't we also focused on the day-to-day -day life? I think people really forget in their drive to acquire what they think is sufficient. Mm -hmm. They forget about, you know, why didn't I take an hour today to just relax and do something I enjoy or right. spend time with people that I care about. Some people do, but some people don't. And the harder we push towards technology, that's... That's the consequence, and I don't think that the crazy technology is really worth someone's lifestyle, even if it's just that one person. Okay, so I'm trying, I'm just kind of struggling with the idea. So you're saying that, like, people get carried away with, like, their day-to-day -day and don't look at a bigger picture? Yeah, like, so, because we were talking about how food... Fast food is a re really a segue to the conversation about a modern American lifestyle. Yeah, it's the fast food is a result of the American lifestyle. Yeah, Western. You could even argue now, really. We'll say Western. Yeah, but um, that lifestyle is that everyone's in a rush. I I don't want to take a two hour lunch break because yeah, yeah. I want to work more. Right. Well, wouldn't you have been happier if you went out with your friends or your whoever to have lunch at a nice place and. Right. Kind of relax instead of running to the drive-thru, getting a crappy burger, eating it at your desk, and then staring into your screen for another nine hours. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, you might get that promotion and you're going to get that fancy place or that car or whatever, but you're not doing anything else. You don't even have time to sit in your fancy place. You don't have time for your fancy car. You know what? There it needs to be a balance. You know what it makes me think of is I remember... Um, so an uncle of mine is involved in like counseling for like addiction stuff, right? And one of the books he had me read, it was called the, I think it was called The Dark Night of Recovery. And if you're familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, they have a 12-step program, right? Yeah. You're thinking it's like, you know, well, why is he telling me this? It was he Alcoholics Anonymous. No. What, the reason he recommended that book for me is because when he read it, he saw lots of parts of himself in it. And we were having a conversation about, you know, we tend to get into similar subjects like this. One of us told me, he's like, you need to read this book. And I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. Took it home. It's a conversation between a guy that's been five years sober and he's like at a standstill where like he wants to go back into it, right? He's like, we'll say mid-30s. Hotshot guy. 
and then I think his name is Counselor Bob or something. I'm really butchering it right now. This guy's been like sore for 20, 30 plus years. He's like old guy. Apparently he's got a face that he's in parentheses, seen a lot of sunsets. Like he knows his stuff. He's been through like the worst stuff. He was a horrible person most of his life. So when, and these are real conversations that were just transcribed and then put it down in a book. So all of it is real. And there's a part where he talks about, he's like, yeah, man, I need you to help me. Give me some answer right now because I'm about to lose custody of my kid and blah, blah, blah. And I have this like big um, thing. He's like an attorney. He's like, it's case we need to cover. And like, I don't have time for this. This is like, this is my, you know, this is my life. And the other guy tells him, he's like, no, that's what you do for a living. This is your lifestyle. You need to fix your addiction, whatever it is that you do to fill up that void because you're not looking at your life directly. So you need to look at that, fix that because that's your life. Yeah. Not whatever you do to pay the bills. That's the thing is like, why do we even have bills? When you really think about it, it's for food. Sort of water. It's like your, your life has been facilitated so much that right. this is so guaranteed. The hunting and gathering that we used to do, you know, a thousand years ago or whatever, has been replaced by bills. Mm-hmm. You don't get water, someone gives it to you and you pay them in exchange. That's fair. Same with food, communications, so on and so forth. But that also brings up the point is we never really needed all of that. It's definitely better. And I'm not saying we should. Be going out to the well a mile away and get water now. No, we're not saying that. But what I am saying is that I think people, society as a whole, globally, need to step back and really think about what's really important in this world. What that is is spending time with the people you care about, helping others, fixing the real core issues of the world. And I'm sorry, but an iPhone or an Android that can fold in half is not helping anyone. Like I'm saying this as as we record on a MacBook and it's nice and I'm grateful for it. But listen, bro, this isn't gonna save me. No. No. This is a hobby and we're blessed to be able to have hobbies. But instead of, you know, focusing and companies will do what companies do. Obviously Apple, Android, Samsung are not in the business of fixing the world. Yeah. But I think that if you're if you allow your employees a better lifestyle, people will naturally be happier. Mm-hmm. And they will naturally, not everyone, people are not always good. No, most people don't really care to help people they've never heard of. Yeah. But it can help if you're happier. And at the very least, at least people will be happier in their own life. There's no need to work 12 hours a day so that this new phone can, you know, be 4%, you know, brighter. Right. right. Stop. There's no point. It's not helping anyone. See, it has not changed in six years, the iPhone. See, what I'm thinking about is like the harm and good corporations have caused because it's easy to get carried away and say it's like we are addicted to this, we are slaves to this. Think about the fact, I love the fact that I can talk to my aunt and uncle in Peru, instant messenger. When I was a child, like, you know, when I was like 8, 9, 10, you had to buy a freaking card, scratch it off and do that long distance call. There's some really cool things about it and those corporations brought it to us yeah but what we have to look at is we are using their service not they are using us that's what we have to do right and it's um right now i think with technology we are at a i think we should be at a top of the bell curve 
Mm-hmm. And I think we could, and I think what would be ideal is if we kind of, instead of have that bell curve keep going higher and higher exponentially, yeah, a small slope that goes up a little bit. Like, let's improve what we have. My phone works fine. Mm-hmm. I can call anyone in the world at any point instantly with right. Facebook, internet, whatever. I can find out anything I want. So instead of making the internet faster, because we really don't need to, it's pretty mm-hmm. fucking fast. Yeah. Why don't we work on getting it to people who don't have it? Right. Why don't we work on better communication? That kind of thing. Medicine. Focus more on that than technology. Maybe explore different places. So you're saying focus more altruism over personal gain. Right. Because you really, like, I know I just said it, but you don't need a faster iPhone. But someone in South Africa does need an iPhone. I mean, South Africa has a pretty good now. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Other get some kid in a Pacific island, right. realistically. You know, yeah, why don't we focus on you know? And I, obviously, the answer is human nature that it's greed. Yeah. But um, in an ideal world, it would be focused on getting people a shorter work week. Week. You know, let them spend time with because when you're happiest, you're probably not at work. You're yeah. with your friends or your family, and you're doing something you like. But we spend most of our lives working. Right. That's kind of fucked up. You spend most of your life doing what you don't want to do so that you can so smell you a can small portion around. spending doing what you do want to do. Right. should be the other way around, in my opinion. So I'm going to say one quick thing. I think we're going to wrap that up the episode after this is what you're saying actually kind of reminds you of a lot of the ideas like um, Andrew Yang has been brought up. If you don't know Andrew Yang, he's one of like the candidates for this upcoming election. I told you guys to vote for him. I'm not affiliating with any type of political party, but one of his ideas, you know, regardless if he's the right guy or not, I think it was an interesting thing that he brought into wider discussion. And he's like, maybe we could get to a point where essentially most things are covered for and you have a universal basic income with people have certain so things. So I, I heard his full interview about this whole Right, so hold on, hold on. But basically what he kind of predicts um, life could be like years from now is that exactly that, that people will spend most of their time actually doing the things they like. Now, my issue with that, though, is you kind of do need to have something you're struggling with to have a purpose in life. But I think it's a nice idea to get to a point where we're less concerned about surviving and actually just living, you know? Yeah, so his, his thing was, um, I heard him on Joe Rogan, so definitely look that up if you're ever interested. But what it is is um, he wants to give everyone $1,000 a month. Right. And that would also um, help people, you know, it'll whoever doesn't have money will at least be able to eat, you know, maybe find a small place if they work a little bit. Instead of working 90 hours a week at McDonald's, they'll at least have that so they can work 50 hours a week or 40 hours a week. They have time to find something that they want to do. Right. But it also goes down to the truckers, he was saying. Yeah, it's a big thing. People like that is like, that's going to be automated soon. And they're not going to have anything. And people were saying, well, learn to program. Let's be real. The guy from Kentucky who drives a truck his whole life, do you really think he's going to learn how to program? Also... That's a really specialized skill set that can only go in so much of the population. Right. We actually don't really need that much coding. Like, no, we don't. say it. But the point, the reason I like him is not, ju- you know, plainly face value that he's going to give me $1,000 a month. 
is that he's focusing on that lifestyle mm-hmm. to calm down a little bit so that not everyone feels like they're going to explode from working too much and not having time to do what they want. That's what, that's the reason I like him is that he's pushing towards a happier lifestyle than a more expensive one. Yeah, it makes me think of the, like, the famous Fight Club uh, quote where it's like, we buy shit you don't need to impress people you don't, don't like because money you don't have. So I think we're going to wrap it up there. And we hope you enjoy it. Andrew's dog is probably cuter than yours. He's definitely cuter than yours. Love to hear your feedback at supersawspodcast at gmail.com. This is Supersawspodcast signing out.